Well, hi, and welcome back to this week's edition of the Pastors Podcast. I am Bob, joined here with Matt and Todd. Uh, and we are coming to you from Comstock Park, Michigan, Maranatha Bible Church, and uh, located just outside of Grand Rapids uh, for the last several weeks. I think almost uh, three months now, if I was doing my math correctly, um, you know, minus a, a couple uh, detours here and there, we have been going through what we're calling common issues which plague every believer, specifically uh, looking at Hebrews 12 for the um, sin and the weight that so easily ensnares us, and obviously the goal of our Christian life is sanctification, to be conformed more to the image of Christ. Um, and we've been basing a lot of what we're talking about off of Jerry Bridges' book, which is called The Acceptable Sins. And uh, we want to uh, uh, we want to take these things that perhaps um, vices or issues, whatever you want to call them, um, and show how uh, these things can actually cause harm to our sanctification uh, because we are accepting them. Um, and some of them have been hard, I must say, even reading through and putting them together. And today is no no different. Um, and so as we're going to be talking about impatience and a little bit about irritability and, and yeah, don't give me these, that look. These are, <laughs> these are as convicting for us yeah, as anyone absolutely. listening. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to start out uh, let's define what these are, impatience and irritability, and then as we talk, we'll kind of weave kind of in and out, because they're, they're very similar as we even define them, um, but let's talk about that first. So uh, how, would, how would you guys define uh, what impatience is? Yeah, I'd say it's uh, just kind of the, of the feeling of annoyance when things perhaps aren't going at the speed or direction that you think they should. It's very, very self-focused. I have an expectation that's not being met by others, and because of that, uh, I, I get impatience, which then obviously trickles into irritability very easily. You see, they're, they're really linked. Yeah, yeah. So we either express it verbally, mm -hmm. right? Um, say perhaps just driving down the road and somebody's not doing what they should be or what you think they should be. <laughs> <laughs> and so you express it verbally, or it's also something that can be expressed through various hand mm -hmm. motions and or throwing things and so tapping you, of the foot, tapping yeah. of the foot, or you know hitting something, whatever. So these are all. Yeah. Are, are, are all indicative of that. So how would you then define irritability? What would you say? <clears throat> yeah, I think you would say that a, an impatient person who continues to manifest that quality would be then characterized as an irritable person, meaning there's this undercurrent of impatience in their heart <clears throat> and at uh, almost every opportunity to express that it comes out when things don't go their way. And so, uh, you know, someone has said that it's internal anger that has not found its fullest expression yet. Mm. So there's, there's, it's not full-blown rage, it's not full-blown anger, um, but it's, it's, a, it's an undercurrent of frustration, anger, whatever term you want to use, that hasn't found the fullest expression. It hasn't all the way come out. It hasn't erupted yet, but it's there. It's under the surface. And uh, that's what we would call irritability. And it, it's, it's really someone who can't tolerate the inconveniences of life. Mm. And so, Matt, you used the word expectations. That is a great yeah. term because you have someone who has in their mind how they want things to go 
And when things don't go the way they want them to go, then there's impatience and irritability that erupts mm -hmm. in their heart. So here's here might be, maybe if this is a little too close to home for us, but oh, well, um, you get to start with that. I know, so. I know. So you've had a long day at work. I know this never happens to any of us. Yeah, you've had a long day at work. Um, it's been hard. It's been challenging. And as you're driving home, there's this expectation of I can't wait to go home and put my sweatpants on and sit back and relax on the couch and just not have a lot of things coming at me. You know, I have this expectation of domestic tranquility when I walk through the door. And then when you walk through the door, there's someone who greets you and they need something and your wife needs some help and she asks you, can you do something for her? And the kids are kind of demanding and they've been on top of each other and so you're walking into this scenario, mm. you're expecting to mm -hmm. go and have a relaxing evening at home and you walk through the door and you realize it's not gonna be as relaxing as you thought and so now there's this crisis of the soul where you have to determine are you gonna give in to the unmet expectations or are you going to um, you know, deal with those in a way that honors the Lord and, and prevents the irritability to mm -hmm. erupt? So, all I hope that's a rhetorical question. <laughs> that, that is a rhetorical. <laughs> I know none of us have ever had to deal with that scenario. Yeah, interestingly enough, now you're crossing over into idolatry, right? Like exactly. the idols of our hearts and, and uh, we have the idol of comfort or whatever that happens to be. So, yeah, that's good. We'll get into that, too. That's a really good question. Um, and for the record, I don't own sweatpants. So, um, <clears throat> so I guess what, then we would say... You know, the, the next question we have to ask is, okay, we define this. You've given a bit of an example of what leads up to that. And uh, so then why is this considered respectable sin? Like why, you know, I, I love that term that, you know, Bridges, I don't know if he came up with it or whatever, but that respectable sin. And th that means that the church has accepted it. Christians have accepted it as the normal milieu, right? That's how our lives are lived out is we are almost to the point, and I don't know if any Christian would say this, but almost to the point of it's expected that you are to be someone who is impatient. Um, and so uh, why, is it that, why is it that that's become acceptable in our culture that we live in in the church? Well, I think uh, part of it, and you kind of just see this as a kind of a broad answer to many of the topics that we consider is they get, they get renamed or there's some kind of mask put over them to make them seem, uh, you know, just that acceptable. I mean, we talk about the type A personality, someone who's, who's driven, who's, who's looking for results. You know, it's, um, it's that person who, you know, I know I can get a job done in a certain way, so I don't want to wait for someone else to do it. But, but those kind of qualities are respected. And you think of even, obviously our culture feeds into this a lot, but uh, very business oriented. You know, we, we want results. We, we want things getting done. But, but it all kind of gets housed in these constructive terms mm. but it's this destructive personality that's really it's is what it's hiding mm. I think too we we like to minimize our sin right like so our natural tendency <clears throat> is to maximize sin in others and minimize it in ourselves so mm. we see you know uh, situations that cause us to be irritable and impatient and our natural tendency is to say well it's not that big a deal because I'm not blowing up in anger. I'm not throwing things. I'm not yelling. I'm not hitting things. And so we, we tend to use that as the, the measure of, mm. well, I'm not, I'm not doing as, as bad as I, I could. And yet we would say, no, that it's still a violation of what Scripture talks about as, in terms of not being impatient or uh, not getting angry. And so we, we like to grade mm. uh, on a scale. It's not as bad as it could be. Mm -hmm. 
and yet we fail to see it's still a violation of God's standard. And so I think that's another reason why it's become one of those respectable sins. Yeah, because if the standard is you're not as bad as you could be, then you could do anything you wanted, right? right? Yeah. And I think the other term that we hear in our culture a lot and we brought into the church is like victimless crime. So we think, oh, this sin, it's not really sin because nobody's getting hurt. But meanwhile, what's raging in our hearts with the scenario that you had at the beginning, as the individual's driving home and they're met with the, not what their expectation was, then that is already in their hearts. And so as Jesus, you know, a Sermon on the Mount moved from what you're actually doing to what you're actually, what's going on inside of you, right. like you're sinning according to that. And so you're saying, hey, this sin is okay because it hasn't manifested itself. Meanwhile, Jesus is saying, actually, no, that's still the sin that's going on in your heart exactly. as, he, as he dove in even further. So I think too, um, our culture seems to focus on, and, and one of you guys said instant gratification, you know, and we're self-focused, you know, think about the self-esteem movement that has come out. There is nobody more important than you. And think about the slogans, have it your way, you know, the customer's always right. And so these kind of things then get in, embedded into our minds and then they come out in how we're acting because we're no longer influenced by what the scriptures say about us, but we're influenced by what we would say the culture or just normal humanity is said about us. And so we're walking around thinking our viewpoint is the best. And then on top of that, we can share a viewpoint with everybody, social media and all those kind of things, yeah. where now not only do I have an opinion, but now I have to share with everybody else. And you had better agree with what I said yeah. or I'm coming at you, right? Yeah. So you have this me-focused culture. So if you're not going at the rate that I expect you to go or at the precision that I expect you to have, then I'm going to get irritated and I'm going to be very yeah. impatient, yeah. right? And so we have to be very careful. And so some of the dangers, um, some of the dangers that come with this, so you think about, you know, going back to, hey, this isn't really that big of a sin, or, or maybe even, you know, somebody's watching saying, hey, look, impatience isn't a sin. And like you said, I just classify that as my type A personality, or I'm just efficient. I'm more efficient, or, you know, I actually function at a higher level than most people. <laughs> and so it's not me being impatient. It's me having an expectation that they can bring themselves up to my level, right? And uh, so what are some of the dangers that we have if we're not calling the sin an actual sin. Well, I, you know, I, I, we always talk about we, we want to bring it to the heart level. What what is this really demonstrating in us? And again, there's there's kind of the the blanket things that are going to touch all of these different topics, such as you know pride, but you know having the the wrong expectation. And, and I think really too, because a lot of the scenarios we're talking about here is uh, us and another person. But but what are we really showing in patience? And ultimately, it's in the sovereignty and the mm. timing and planning mm. of the Lord. So there's there's obviously an outward component to this, but then there's an upward component to this as well. Um, so I think if we're if we're not willing to address it and call it what it is, it's obviously it's going to fester and grow, and then it's not only going to affect our relationship with others, but it also affect our relationship with the Lord. Yeah, that's good, Matt. I, I would add to that. You know what's going on in a person's heart. You mentioned the heart, and that is command central. So what's mm -hmm. going on in someone's heart in the moment of irritability? Well, you've got the beginning of anger building up. Mm -hmm. And so what does scripture tell us? James 1.20 says, the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. So you've, you, the danger, you, you ask the question, what's the danger of this? The danger is now you're entering territory where you're in clear, clear violation of the word of God, mm -hmm. which tells us that we're, we're not to be sinfully angry. So that's one issue. Another d danger is oftentimes what comes along with that welling up in a person's heart is sinful words. 
And so now you're in another category of disobedience, your speech, where Ephesians 4.29 says, Mm -hmm. let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only what uh, that is good for edification and building up of others. So not only are we violating God's standard about anger and his standard about our words, uh, those are two critical issues. But I think you you mentioned it earlier, Bob, the whole issue of idolatry. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what the core issue here. I think of Colossians 3, where Paul calls these kinds of things idols. And so why is someone getting irritable? Why do I get irritable? It's because you've poked my idol, mm. right? I want this thing to go my way. I want these circumstances to be this way when I walk in the door. I expect this, this person to respond this way. It doesn't go that way. I get upset, frustrated, irritable, impatient. Why? Because you've poked my idol. And I, and I think that's the real danger here is it's not just things didn't go your way. It's God is exposing an idol of your heart. And that's why it's so dangerous is because we're bowing down and worshiping really a false God and that false God is self. Yeah. So when that idol comes up, it's interesting. Uh, it, it tends to, you tend to be able to see it um, frequently in certain categories. Like say, say just for instance, hypothetically, somebody struggled with driving and, uh, this is the second time you've used this example. <laughs> Not the act of driving. They're actually a really good driver, we'll just say, in this scenario. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, then there's always people that tend to come in front of him Sorry about her. that. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so you, you kind of see this thing repeating over and over, and you're absolutely right. And I think because we, we don't recognize that we have ourself as an idol, as mm-hmm. you just said. Mm-hmm. And so because our, our standard is what we have is the best standard, and when people aren't are bowing down to our standard and they're doing what they think is right, that's when you start poking that idol. Um, and uh, we, we oftentimes just equate idols with, you know, actual statues or right. something. Or, um, But we don't realize, like, we hold our if we hold ourselves to that such a high standard and uh, and thinking that that is the standard, then we're going to we're gonna idolize ourselves and all that too. Yeah. One other thing, uh, just to add to that, what, why is this uh, dangerous? And I think, Matt, you mentioned it a little bit earlier that when we're irritable and impatient, we forget that God uses trials to sanctify us. Mm-hmm. So it's not a waste. It's not as if all this thing has gone so bad that nothing good's going to come of it. Actually, God might want to use that affliction in your life to make you more like Christ, maybe to make you more patient. Maybe. He, he, he does. does. Use that to make you more like Christ. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So what we're doing, the danger of this is we are short-circuiting the sanctification process. We're throwing a wrench in the gears and we're saying, Lord, I know you sometimes use trials to sanctify me. I don't like this trial and I'm mad. It didn't go my way. So what have you done? You have essentially stopped the process of sanctification, which may be why you've got believers who've been believers for years and decades but aren't growing, it's because they keep short-circuiting the sanctification process and specifically how God might use those moments of affliction to make you more like Him. Yeah, because overall, essentially what you're saying is, uh, God, I actually know what's best. I'm I'm God here, and so why don't you just step off your throne and I'm going to do this. Say like when you're trying to get to a flight and somebody wants to go out to eat before you go. I don't know. And then you show up late to the airport. Not three hours I'm early. in a counseling session, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the weird things that it's pop up. A little too personal. Uh, but you still make it on time, so it is what it is. So then we want to talk about essentially now is uh, what does the Bible say about these things? Because really, I mean, you can talk 
all we want and talk about impatience and all of this. But what we have to do is say, okay, what does the Bible say? And, and I will say the, the Bible has a lot to say about mm. patience. It must be mm. something that people struggle with. Yeah. Um, going back 2,000 years, <clears throat> even till today, um, you know, just looking specifically at the New Testament. Um, and so what would you guys say? Somebody comes to you and says, hey, what does the Bible say about patience? This is something I want to work on. Well, um, it's just that reminder of you know, this is a, this is a fruit of the spirit. We had talked about this with self-control as well. So, you know, we we want to be those who are walking in the spirit. How are we going to demonstrate this by showing patience? And um, you know, it's it's amazing you know, how often because I think when we talk about we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more about you know, how we're cultivating patience. What do we need to be focusing on? It's amazing how many times Paul addresses the idea of humility um, when he's addressing the body. Um, so. What does the Bible say about this? Well, one, it says we need to be getting our eyes off ourselves. How are we developing mm. patience? Is we need to be uh, not self-focused. You know, First Corinthians thirteen: love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous. It's it's again uh, this idea of not focusing on what we need, but being selfless and thinking of others. You know, Galatians five is the fruit of the spirit. Uh, all of these things, but um, yeah, you just you see it hammered over and over and over again. The idea of being patient with others. Mm. Yeah, I would add to that Colossians 3, we're told to put on patience, mm -hmm. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. So what does that mean? Before you get there, what does it mean? Like, So what can we infer from that then if Paul's saying, put this on? Well, it needs to be cultivated. <clears throat> it, it needs to be, uh, I mean, we all get up every morning, we put physical clothes on. You don't automatically wake up and are clothed and ready for the day. You have to physically put your clothes on in preparation for the day. And so the principle there is true spiritually as well that we're not naturally all those things that he tells us in Colossians 3, compassionate, kind, humility, gentle, patient. We don't just naturally respond that way. So, so it's a choice. It's mm -hmm. a choice. It's not passive. It's not yeah. passive. It's mm -hmm. active. So I, as a believer who wants to be walking in the Spirit, I have to actively think about, okay, what virtues do I need to put on in this situation? So it's almost like you're, you're physically putting clothes on mm -hmm. and you actually uh, spiritually have to put on these virtues as well. So it's not natural. It, it's not endemic to who we are. It's not innate in us. And so it has to be cultivated and it has to be something that by the power of the Spirit we actually um, do in His strength. Yeah, and you were saying First Thessalonians 5. First Thessalonians 5, 14 says, be patient with everyone. Hmm. I mean, that, that's a pretty blanket statement. That's to a church, not to pastors. Right. So it's, yeah. not, it's not just, hey, pastors, you need to be patient. This right. is, hey, church, right. you need to be patient. And not just with people who sit next to you, <laughs> but with everyone. With everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's uh, really important that... Um, you know, especially with patience, as you're talking about the put on, the put offs. And so like Romans 6 says that we're dead to sin, but alive to, to righteousness. And so we have to, you know, Romans 6 at the beginning part is all these imperatives, right? You you are dead, you are um, uh, these passive verbs, all these things that happen to you. And then you get to the command so that now you are render yourself or the imperative, consider yourself dead. Mm -hmm. And so we do the same thing here. You're putting off and you're putting on. And so I like what you said. It's not innate to the person. So like Matt was saying, you know, walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. So if you find yourself being impatient, you are rendering back, you're taking yourself back to being that old man. So you're allowing life to come back to that man who has already been declared dead. And you are choosing rather to allow him to walk than to actually walk in the spirit that we're told to. And then you can't be patient. Right. You know. Yeah. And think about this, uh, you know, just in, in body life, you know, we, we were talking about the dangers of this, but if, if you have 
a, a group of believers that are all coming together looking to fulfill their own desires rather than hmm. being humble and, and wanting to serve one another. You think of Ephesians 4, you know, the, the, they're to be building one another up in love. That can't happen if everyone's looking to see, you know, I want my results, my expectations to be met. Hmm. It's, it's going to just destroy really any relationship you have, but I mean, just particularly seeing this in the church. It's true. Yeah. And so then you guys have alluded to this as well. How do we cultivate this? So we know that it's sin. We know what the world defines it as. We know the world accepts it. We know what the Bible has to say. And so we know it's key to our sanctification um, that we have to be patient in these areas. So now we want to know how to how to cultivate that. So if somebody came to you and said, hey, you know, fine, I, I need to work on patience. I'm not saying me. I'm just saying somebody in general comes <laughs> and says, hey, I need to work on patience. Uh, where would you, what path would you point them down? How would you start to, to cultivate this in them? Yeah, I had mentioned that earlier, but just looking at all of those commands uh, for humility. I mean, Ephesians 4, Therefore, uh, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So that blanket statement. And then what's the first thing he hits on? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So the, the greatest thing we can do is just getting our eyes off of ourselves. Uh, and looking to, I mean, you think of passages, Philippians 2, um, you know, have this uh, same mind as Christ did. You know, the, the obviously the greatest uh, example of humility we see in Scripture. But but, but what is it? It's, it's stop navel-gazing. Look, look around at the needs of others. And then, uh, you know, we can talk about more just the example of, of uh, God's patience with us um, in the midst of all this. But, but I think humility is key. That's good. Yeah, and I, Todd, why don't you talk on this? You're teaching over the attributes of God right now. So is this a communicable attribute of God that we share with him? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so how can we cultivate that since it is something that we share with God? Well, you know, I go to Ephesians 5, 1, where it says be imitators of God. So if God is patient, which he is, it is his patience, his kindness that has led us to repentance, uh, we see all throughout the Old Testament, he's slow to anger. Mm. And, and so if that's who God is, this is one of those specific areas where a right view of God needs to impact how we live. So it's very difficult. It's impossible for us to say, well, I have a right to be impatient with this person mm. or irritable with this person. Really? Are you going to say that? when God has been so exceedingly patient toward you. I mean, he's so patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Right. And he's been so kind to draw you to himself after years, decades maybe, of, of us you know, rebelling against him. And so how could we ever say, I have a right to be impatient in this moment because I didn't get my way when God has shown us the exact opposite? So this is a, a classic example of where God and his nature and his being and his attributes needs to define how we relate mm -hmm. to one another. So you mentioned the vertical versus the, versus mm -hmm. the horizontal. So yeah. vertically, we've received patience. Now mm -hmm. horizontally, we need to extend that. Yeah, and I like what you said there, the idea of, of rights. I think that term really kind of gets thrown around a lot mm -hmm. in our day and age, what we have the, the rights to. And yeah, I think when we have a proper view of what we actually deserve and we set the expectation there, yeah. uh, then it, our whole paradigm shifts. Exactly. So what do we deserve? We deserve death, hell, punishment, wrath. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's what we deserve. Um, but, you know, as you said, God has shown just such immense patience with us. Even, yeah. even those who will never come to Christ, they've received common grace, getting to live this life. Just yeah. the amazing patience of the Lord. And then, you know, we 
can't have an extra 10 minutes on our drive drive into work. I mean, it's it's really kind of hilarious when you think of it, right. but that's really how we're living this out. Here's another way to say that. We need to stop demanding fair treatment. <laughs> Perceived fair treatment. Perceived right. fair right. treatment. Yeah. We, are, we want to be treated yeah. fair, and we pound the table, and we don't really realize what we're saying. Because right. if God really treated us we don't want fairly, <laughs> none of us would be sitting here, and we'd be all under his judgment right. right now. Yeah. So we have to be careful when we say, I just want fair treatment. Uh, no, y you want God to be merciful to you, which he has been. Now we need to extend that same mercy and patience. Yeah, yeah, I find too, um, you know, especially in whatever scenario that you're in where impatience is coming. And I think, first of all, what Matt, Matt uh, in both those verses in Philippians 2 and Ephesians that he read, uh, at the kind of the core of that was unity. And what you often find is, you know, we will set aside unity because we're impatient. We don't want to work through something as a church. We uh, see friends almost as disposable. And instead of going to the person like the Bible says, or instead of just grinding that out with that individual, because you want unity more than you want someone to see it from your side, right? So now you're dying to self and you're saying, hey, I would rather keep the body of Christ unified That's right. than have my point of view accepted. And and I like what Paul says, I think it's 1 Corinthians 6, I believe. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he says, why not rather be wronged, right? So he's talking about going to court and he's talking about, you know, make make sure you, you don't take your brother to court and all of that. And he's like, why not just rather be wrong for the sake of unity, for the yeah. sake of peace? Yeah. And so instead of, you know, pushing your agenda, um, you know, look at it from the massive viewpoint, take a step back. And then the other thing is too, I think it's important that we, um, we're just thankful. Mm. And a lot of times uh, when we're irritable, it's because our eyes are off of Christ. We're no longer walking heavenly and we're looking around and we're just seeing things that are irritating us because we're not getting our own way and we forget all the things materially that God has given us and or spiritually that he's given us and we're no longer taking those thoughts captive mm -hmm. but now those thoughts are starting to rule us things like our rights things like fairness we start defining fairness from our terms right. you know we say well, we want to be fair nobody is ever fair because we always want to come out ahead it is impossible <laughs> because of our sinful nature to actually be fair and so I think it's really important that we we cultivate this um, uh, uh, biblical view of what that looks like. And, uh, and we're just in the scriptures. And then we're allowing the Holy Spirit to, to work in our hearts. We're submitting ourselves to the word. And then we're realizing that, you know, we aren't the most important person and that Christ is. And that if not for him, you know, we'd be wayward yeah. um, and serving our own lusts. So. One other thing, and we alluded to it a little bit earlier, but we can't forget that God uses these things to sanctify us. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to cultivate <clears throat> biblical patience, then we have to learn to see those afflictions through a new lens. So our, our tendency is to see them as just, I don't like this, I hate it, I want to get out of it, just be done with it. And we forget to see them from God's perspective. That, you know, Psalm 119.67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Yeah. Sometimes God brings affliction into our life to keep us from going astray. Praise the Lord. And so sometimes he uses those, what we would perceive as inconveniences, to actually shape us, grow us, mature us, use those difficult people in our life, use those difficult situations in our life to keep us from going astray and to keep us pursuing him. So um, we don't love these things, but we're, thank <clears throat> excuse me, we're thankful for them because of how he grows us through them. Yeah. yeah, thinking of like 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you know, a passage we keep coming back to, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape, which 
that sounds great right, right there, but how does he do that? So that you will be able to endure it. Right. Right. He wants you to, to patiently sit under that, being tested, exactly. developing that endurance, developing that proven character. Um, that's how he, how he grows us, you just said that. So yep. um, he, he wants us to endure it with full dependence on him. That's good. Yeah, it's good. Well, guys, I hope this was helpful for you. Um, just speaking on uh, impatience and irritability. And uh, if you have any any other ones you'd like us to go over, uh, we've gotten some emails, so please feel free to shoot us an email. Otherwise, uh, we just have a list that we're working through. But I hope you guys have a good rest of the week.